Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Man, it's good to see you gathered here Labor Day Sunday. You get double credit for coming on Labor Day Sunday. And uh, I'm just excited to see you here, you know, worshiping the Lord, giving glory to God on His day, giving this hour to Him. And uh, you heard about a couple of really cool things. We, uh, we did the birthday letter and said, hey, could we give a, a birthday gift to the church? We'll give it to the First Press Fellows to get this launched. And uh, you saw, it was like $25,000. And then uh, earlier in the year, uh, Reverends Chuck and Katie Fowler were headed off to church plant in Denver, and we wanted to give them a gift, you know, to love on them. And he saw that that, that came up at over $30,000 to get that church going. We want to celebrate something else real quick. We're going to have a little bit of fun here, okay? Does anybody remember a guy um, named Nate Stratman? Hey, yeah, that's right. I mean, come on. And he, he's kind of like, his like beard like this, maybe. Actually, up when he was here, it was like here, you know? And now it's like... But anyway, uh, Nate, Nate Stratman's pastor with us for a number of years, and um, he and his wife, Kim, felt called to plant a church in Wilmington, North Carolina. And so we agreed with that, and we blessed that, and we said, let's figure out a way that First Pres can, can help you answer this call. And so over the last three years, we've been leaning forward as a church, helping Hope Community Church to, uh, to, to get going. And here's the good news. September 15th, Hope Community Church is no longer considered a church plant in need of help from others. On September 15th, Hope Community Church is going to mature, sort of matriculate or whatever you want to say, into full church. So it's not church plant, now it's church. And we give glory to God for that. Go ahead. So here's what's going to happen. What I want you to do is uh, to help me. I'm going to have you stand up because we want to send a little bit of love and congratulations to this church, don't we? So I'm going to ask you to stand up, turn back. There's a camera on the back wall there uh, over Brandon, the guy in the cool hat. He's pointing at it. And uh, what we're going to do is on the count of three, we want to say congratulations, Hope Community Church. Congratulations, Hope Community Church. Can we do that? One, two, three. Congratulations, Hope Community Church. Woo! <laughs> Nate and Kim Strappen family, Hope Community Church, we love you, we love you, we love you. So glad that you're where you're at in your church, that you're standing up on your own feet, that, uh, and that we get to be a part of that and to see that happen. And we know that God's being glorified and lives are being changed. And here's the thing. Today, as you guys celebrate, today as you celebrate... Here's the deal. You're the church, Hope Community Church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. God bless you as you celebrate today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo! Thank you for doing that. I'm not sure I did what I was supposed to do back there, team, but if not, we'll just, I don't know, we'll figure it out later. But we got a lot. All four services said a big, big congratulations, and it's a big deal. So, friends, would we uh, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 13 as we continue in our series today? We're looking at Luke 13, 10 to 17. If you didn't bring a Bible, we've got some in the back. If you don't have a Bible, we want you to take it. If you know someone who needs a Bible, we want you to take one and give it away to them. But let's go to the words of Scripture together. And as we open uh, the Word of God, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, 
as we open up and we, and we stare down at your words of Scripture. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive your living word, not a dead letter on a page, but your voice speaking to us in a way that moves our hearts and drives us deeper, deeper into passionately loving and serving you with all we've got. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Luke 13 at verse 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days. <laughs> I'm glad you're there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you... On the Sabbath, untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he had said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Well, this is God's word, and we're grateful. Amen? Amen. So humanize me, strong... Bodies. I already got you up and down a couple times, so I'm not going to get you up. But, you know, bend and stretch and reach. And, yeah, thank you. Reach. Oh, and breathe and bend. Don't hit your head on the, on the chair in front of you. How's your body doing? How's your body? Is your body your friend today? Or is your body an enemy? <laughs> yeah. Every day we wake up and it's kind of like, hey, body, are we going to be buds? You know? And, uh, or are we going to be a little bit at each other? Because you want your body to cooperate. It's so frustrating when your body doesn't cooperate. And that happens. It happens. Especially talk to those of us who've been around a little bit longer, right? Uh, the, the longer you're around with this body, the more it seems to not want to cooperate. And it can be frustrating. I like to uh, joke with some of the, the uh, older members of our congregation when they go to get knee replacements and hip replacements and stuff. I like to give them a really hard time. Uh, I mean, I'm compassionate. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a compassionate, loving pastor. I pray for them and all that. But I do like to give them a hard time. So I say, this is what I say. I say, that's okay. You're just getting us one step closer to being a fully bionic church. One more knee, one more hip. Pretty soon, this is going to be bionic church through and through. We can rebuild her. We have the technology, right? Better, stronger, faster. The bionic church. If you were born past a certain year, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if you're like me, you can hear the music right now. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> bionic church. But our bodies frustrate us, and they wear out, and they cause us pain, they cause us to struggle, and it could be frustrating. It could be frustrating. Does God care about your body? 
I thought God cared about spiritual stuff. I came here for the spiritual. If I was worried about body stuff, I'd go somewhere else. This is the spiritual hour, right? Does God care about your body? Yes, he does. God made your body. He gave it to you as a gift. God came as a, a body. He came in a body in Jesus Christ. God cares about the body. And to be human, to be humanized, is to be fully body and soul, to be together, body and soul. And part of being humanized is, is getting this relationship into some kind of a balanced place, the relationship that you and I have with our bodies. Well, the human body has limits. Has anybody experienced that? Whew. And that's why I think we love these superheroes is because they break these limits. On the count of three, you kids in the room, look up from your, uh, your workbooks there. You get kids in the room, count of three, favorite superhero. One, favorite superhero, count of three, looking for eyes. Here we go. You ready? You got it? You're thinking. Like, we got to go. Okay, you got to think. You got it? All right. One, two, three. Hulk. Hulk. <laughs> yes. Hulk. Superman. I had Superman underoos when I was a kid. You know, why do we love these superheroes so much? Because they break these limits. They break these limits. They can do stuff we can't, and we just want that. You know, you think of Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, shown here, edited for family viewing. (laughs) Don't get me in trouble. For, for For all the beauty, you know, of the human body, for all the strength, the power of it. He's in those limits. He's in that circle. He's in that box. There's only so much he can do. And God gave you these limits. A lot of these limits God gave you as a gift. They're good things. They they do good things for us. In fact, God made us to be only in one place at one time, right? And I'm glad for that because that's enough for me to handle. You know, I have a hard enough time. You know, if I had to be everywhere at once, it wouldn't work. God, God called us to be one place at one time and be present there because of our bodies. And our bodies kind of slow us down in some ways that can help us, that can be healthy for us. Medieval theologians talked about it's a good thing that your soul is housed inside a physical body because your soul, your spirit, it can run so fast towards the things that are not of God. It can run from the presence of God so fast that if it were not contained in a lumbering physical frame, You could drop from the presence of God, just like when Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from the presence of God like lightning. So your body's a grace. Your body's a gift. It sets you in place. It slows you down. The limits that God gave you in your body, he gave you for a reason. But there are other things that happen to the body, aren't there? There's diseases that come. There's, there's, There's ailments. There's frailties. There's vulnerabilities. Some of us, our bodies... You know, our bodies are fighting with disease. Our bodies are fighting with illness. Some things that, that we've been told, this is just, we just got to fight this until, until the fight's over. And our bodies hold us down, hold us back. And sometimes these things can impinge on us in a way that our bodies are pushing our, our spirits in a way. They make us feel humiliated. They make us feel pain. They make us feel sometimes less than human. What does Jesus think about that? What does God want us to think about that? And what does God want us to do about it? Verse 10, Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And a woman was there 
who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. It says she was crippled by a spirit. Could this be referring to demonic activity? Sure. The Bible's got a lot of that in it. And, and Jesus even says later, this is Satan's work pushing down on this woman. But, you know, it just means that there's this force at work. Don't get too, you know, don't struggle with that too much. It just means there's this force at work that's pushing her down. And it's a force that Luke, the physician, can't outline in medical terms. And she's suffering from this, and it's causing her pain. And this force that's over her, that's limiting her life in her physical body. This is a force that is as counter, as opposed to, to Jesus as Jesus is opposed to it. This force in her life that is causing her such pain and is binding her for 18 years, this force is anti-Christ, you see? It's anti-Christ. Now we see Jesus move. Verse 12. When Jesus did what? Saw Saw her. He saw her. You know, some of us fall off the train right there. We fail to see anymore. We just don't see it. When he saw her, he called her forward. He called her forward, and he said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her. And immediately, she straightened up. And praise God. What does Jesus do? He sees, he calls, he speaks, and he heals. He sees her. He sees her. He sees her as she's she's in her pain. He sees her, and he calls her forward, and then he speaks to her. Now, I want you to get this. This is in the middle of an ordered religious service where everything is very carefully prescribed, and every behavior is predetermined. And in fact, they're used to gathering. This this congregation is used to gathering separated into gender. The the women and the girls over here, the, the men and the boys over here, there would even be a physical barrier to separate them. And Jesus, he sees them woman. And he calls her forward in front of everyone. And he speaks to her. Do you see what he's doing here? I want you to see the courage, the boldness of Jesus of Nazareth. As he calls her forward in front of everyone, in the middle of this service, where women and men were not to interact. And then he reaches out with his hands, and he he does what? He Scandal. Clutch the pearls. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Not in my church. The scandal of it. The scandal of it. Jesus, he steps forward with courage. He pulls this woman forward in her need. And so begins the conflict. Verse 14. (sighs) Indignant. Of all the emotions that the president of the synagogue could have that day, of all the emotions that the leader of the people could have had, (laughs) indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being this guy? 
stepping in front of an event as beautiful as that. And this woman is praising God. He's like, whoa. He steps forward. Six days for work. Come be healed on one of those days. Not on the Sabbath. Is he making a biblical argument to his people? He thinks he is. The Sabbath's got to be defended. We've got to defend the Sabbath. That's one of the big ten. I mean, that's one of the ten commandments. So we've got to step forward and, and defend the Sabbath. Is he making a biblical argument? He thinks he is. But he's lost track of one thing. The Sabbath, along with all the laws of God, were given by God to his people as a gift, not an instrument of torture. And so he steps forward, and look at what this guy does. He addresses the crowd. The leader says to the people. He talks to the group. You see, he doesn't have the courage to speak to the healed woman, and he certainly doesn't have the gumption to say anything to Jesus. So what does he do? He addresses the crowd. Friends, listen to me. Sometimes it's easier to fire up the mob than to deal with one another as individuals, to deal with one another as human beings, even to deal with one another in conflict in a way that brings dignity to one another. He speaks to the mob. I'm not giving this guy a lot of room. Are you? What a... uh, Never mind. (laughs) The man derides... What does he do in front of the mob? Okay, the man, he derides her. He's not going to speak to her. He doesn't have that kind of courage. He's not going to speak to Jesus. He doesn't have anything like that inside him. He's going to talk to the crowd, and he diminishes her, and he derides her for for having come for healing on the Sabbath. As if the Sabbath was not meant by God for healing. He derides her and diminishes her for having come into the people of God as if the people of God gathered in prayer and worship were not exactly where she should have come with all of her pain and all of her hope to be restored. He incites the mob. Well, here comes the heart of Jesus. Verse 15, the Lord answered him, You... I wonder if Luke, you know, polished this up a little bit. <laughs> no, I, you hypocrites. Watch now. The man addresses the crowd, afraid to speak to the individual. Jesus addresses the individual in a way that's going to change the whole crowd. You hypocrites. Don't you every Sabbath day, don't you every Sabbath day know what you do? Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? Hypocrites, he says. What does hypocrite mean? It means, it means a mask wearer. It was a, a, a term for an actor who could grab a mask and play another character just like that. So he's saying, you mask-wearing charlatans. What you are pretending to be concerned about isn't at all what you're actually concerned about. 
What's, what appears to be happening isn't what's really happening. And what you are presenting as the big concern is not the concern in the room at all. Something pernicious is happening under the surface, behind the mask. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to be the one to root that out and put it right in front of you. The big lie. And what's the lie? It's this. He says to the room, all of you know, because I've seen you do it and you've watched each other do it, that no matter how much you honor the Sabbath, no matter how much you pursue the letter of the law, no matter how devoted you are, if it's a Sabbath day and your donkey's thirsty, you go out there and untie that donkey. I've seen you. And if your ox needs food, you go out there and you take care of it. I've seen you go take care of your animals. I've seen you go take care of your beasts. I've seen you go untie uh, the, the, the animals that you keep in your care. Now listen now. Are you saying to me, are you telling me that this woman is less to you than a donkey? That's not piety. That's dehumanization. And I won't have it, says Jesus. I won't have it. Not for a minute. I want you to see the righteous anger in his eyes. I want you to see the passion of his heart. If you leave here today with nothing else, I want you to see the character of Jesus of Nazareth. That if, if this man were nothing else that we know of him, if we, if we know him as Savior and Lord and divine and sent from God, if he were nothing of all those things, and if he were just a man, I want you to see this man, Jesus. Look at what he does. He steps into the room and he says to them, you're treating this woman as lower than an animal. This woman is not an animal. She has suffered 18 years. She's been bound for 18 years and less than a beast no, sir, she is a daughter of Abraham. She is made in the image of God. And today, she is in the very presence of her Lord and Savior. Her healing doesn't wait another day. She's been bound 18 years. She's been bent over in suffering. And her healing doesn't wait another day. It doesn't wait another hour. It doesn't wait another minute. Her healing is right now. Because the Sabbath is made to heal. Do you see that? Are you with Jesus? Where would you stand in that room? Are you with Jesus? Man, I want to be with Jesus. I want to be a person like that. Jesus is the humanity this world needs. And he sets her free right there. His authority overrides whatever, whatever authority thought that it had power to hold her down and bend her back and wreck her life and cause her to feel less than human. Jesus' authority is bigger than that. And it's over. And she's set free. He puts hands on her and she's lifted up. Mm. Jesus, does he care about the body? Yes, he does. He cared about her body that day. He cares about your body. He cares about what you're feeling. But even more, I want you to see this layer of conflict, the unmasked layer. It's about humanity in the eyes of Jesus. Are you seriously going to treat this woman as less than the beasts? We want to we stand with Jesus. 
We want to be humanizers like he's a humanizer. We want to stand, we don't want to be dehumanizing like this, like this guy in the room. So, you know, we want to walk with, with Jesus in there. At least I hope that that's what we want. Guys, we get a lot of hard questions in following Jesus. This is not a hard question, okay? This is a softball. Where do you want to be in the room? Do you want to stand with that synagogue leader or do you want to stand with Jesus? Jesus. And I hope I would. I hope even if I was scared to, you know, to get in a little trouble, I hope I would just be inching over toward him just a little bit, you know? This is the guy I want to be with. We don't want to be part of dehumanizing. We want to be humanizers. Like Jesus is a human humanizer. That humanizer sounds a little bit to me like an appliance you might plug in your bedroom at night. You know? I got the I got the humidifier, I got the atomizer, I got the humanizer right here. I got the humanizer. But we want to be humanizers. And what's it like to follow Jesus, the humanizing Savior? Well, he goes on, if your Bible's open, you look down the page, next thing he talks about is how the kingdom of God is made up of a lot of little things. It's like a seed, or it's like the yeast in the dough. And you might think that the little things don't matter, but the little things make a big difference. You might think that the tiny little act doesn't really have an impact, but Jesus is saying the tiny little things, they make all the difference in the world. Tiny little things, like seeing, calling, talking, healing. The tiny little things matter. They matter. So, you ask, Pastor Tim, is First Pres involved in any places that help people's body? Yes, it is. I'm so glad you asked. We're having a little fun here this morning. If you can't have fun, you know, I don't know, you can't have fun. So, (laughs) yes, we are. We're engaged in places where we are in ministry that is materially helping people in the burdens of their physical bodies. Why? Because, listen, we can do just like Jesus did that day. Now, this was a miraculous healing, and only God can do what only God can do. But only we can do what only we can do and what He has called us to do. And Jesus said in his teaching that the miraculous things that he did, these miraculous healings, he said, I did these things to inspire you to do much the same. In fact, in John 14, he said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even what? Greater things, even greater things. Can you believe that Jesus said that his people, his followers, were going to do greater things than he did? Why? Because I'm going to the Father, and I'll do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What's he saying? He's saying the stuff that I did, I did to inspire you to do the stuff that I did, and to do greater stuff than that. If you see me, if I give sight to the blind, if I help the lame to walk, If I straighten spines and strengthen and restore legs and and let people walk upright again, healed of illnesses, well, if I do that, well, that's what you ought to do. And even do likewise. And do even greater things. Greater things. As you follow my purposes. My ministry doesn't end. It begins as I leave and go up to heaven and send you out. 
So you should do these things that I've done and even greater things. What a great way to demonstrate my love and bear witness to my kingdom and humanize. Are we involved? Let me tell you two stories. One is in Cuba. We support a, a church in, uh, in Cuba. We've been in partnership with them for many, many years. Pastor Lydia has been there. If you want to hear Pastor Lydia preach it up, ask her to preach in Spanish in Cuba. She, she lights it up. And, uh, and I'm going to be there in February. But we're in partnership with this church many, many years. One of the things they do is uh, they house a free clinic because it's difficult to, to get even uh, the medical care there. It's, and, uh, and because of the gifts of First Pres, our First Pres, First Pres Havana not only has a free clinic, but they have kind of a pharmacy. So the doctor, if he knows what's wrong, he can prescribe the medication, and they might have it on their shelves because of of you guys, of First Pres here in Colorado Springs, and then they just walk out with exactly what they need because it's difficult to get even aspirin and vitamins in Cuba. So, uh, so we get to be a part of that. Here's a little bit of a thank you from our friends in Cuba. You cannot imagine how grateful we, we are uh, when every year who come to our country and bring medicine for us and for the Cuban people and for the clients we assist in the project our friendly home. So thank you so much and God bless you every day and you are cherished too. Amen. That was the doctor in the back. Yeah. <clears throat> Who, who really looks like he's got a great bedside manner. <laughs> We're so grateful for them. And uh, here's a second story. Mongolia. We partner with Campus Crusade for Christ Mongolia. We've got some friends uh, somewhere who are with that minute. Go ahead, put your hands in the air. We love you guys. So glad that you're here. And um, sure. Mongolia Campus Crusade for Christ is not just uh, for college students. They've got all kinds of different branches of ministry there. One of them is a medical ministry. So I heard a story about a man who was hit by a bus, broke his pelvis. He was bedridden for three years, three years. Couldn't get up. When you're bedridden for three years, your body starts to do a few things. You start to develop sores and ulcers, and your muscles just start to contract to the point where they're causing constant, constant pain, immobility. Uh, they were able to get a doctor there, a gifted doctor, to come visit with this man. And when the doctor first visited with him, the man said, you know, i got to confess to you, most days I wake up and I wish I could just die. I'm in so much pain. I'm such a burden to my family. I just wish this was over. The doctor moved toward him, started taking care of him. Um, started cleaning the wounds, healing the wounds, and that could move to physical therapy, started doing stretching, exercises, different things to release his muscles. It wasn't long before the doctor was able to bring a walker over to this man. And, and under the power of the walker, he was able to stand upright. First time in three years. And walk himself over to the dining room table where he sat down to eat with his family. Friends, these are the, the beautiful things of the work of Jesus and his heart of compassion. And the doctor said to me after that, I talked to him about Jesus, and, and it was not hard for him to accept the Lord as his Savior after he had been loved and helped in such a material and manifest 
way. Friends, we get to be part of that. We get to be part of that just for being part of First Pres. We get to be part of all these things that God is doing around the world, all these stories. I could sit, we could sit here and start now and go all week, and I would tell you stories about what God is doing through just this church and reaching out around the city and the nation and the globe. We could go all week long, but listen to me now. You could build a university around lectures to talk about the impact and the global witness of the compassion of Jesus Christ around the world. I mean, it doesn't stop. It goes on and on. And from the heart of Jesus comes a compassion that built a Western civilization that cares about people who are sick. That's not an exaggeration, folks. It comes from the heart of Jesus. And I want you to understand this. Karma doesn't create such a system. Nihilistic Buddhism doesn't create such a system. Imperialism and political power and nationalism doesn't create a system of compassionately moving toward the hurting and the weak to lift their burdens. I want you to know where it comes from. It comes from the heart of Jesus of Nazareth. And if you didn't know anything else about him, if you didn't believe anything about his divinity, his spiritual deal, all that, this is a man. This is a man worth following. Are you with him? Do you want to know him? As the praise team comes up to join and, and Lydia comes up to the table, I want you to get this now. I want you to see this. The heart of Jesus did it. Are you with them? Where do you want to stand in the room? Are you going to stand with them? The heart of Jesus did that. And Jesus is the humanity this world needs. And he's called us to stand with him. Does Jesus care about your body? Yes, he does. He does. You see, he took on a body. He took on a body in his rescue mission to come to earth. He took on a body. Why did his heart break for that woman? Why did his heart break? Because he's filled with compassion. He's he's such a beautiful Savior. But as his heart broke for her, you see, Jesus knew every bit that it would cost to set her free. Does he know what it's like to be bent over and bound by dark forces? Yes, he does. Because in his body he was bent over as he carried the cross on our behalf. Does he know what it's like to suffer limits, pains, be interrupted by illness? Yes, he does. Does Jesus know what it is to be bound and pulled down Yes, he does. As Jesus looked into her eyes and he saw her and he spoke with her and and he touched her and he healed her, he knew every bit the cost. What it would cost for him to say, you're healed today. It would mean that he would know what it feels like to be bound and to be burdened and to feel such a binding and such, and such a weight that he would in his heart have longed to find that there was enough 
mercy, that there is enough humanity in all of Jerusalem to come and set him free. But he stayed bound and even went to the cross and was set there paralyzed to die on our behalf, immobile. He gave his body as a sacrifice for you and for me. This is Jesus. Are you with him? Lord, as we turn to the table, we thank you for who you are, your character, the witness. Jesus, that seeing you move toward this woman, it moves each of our hearts, makes us want to be better men, better women. It makes us want to be that kind of human. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that you love us so dearly. And we pray that you would draw near to each one of our hearts as we draw near to you at your holy table of communion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.